Traveling the Vortex. Doctor as he travels the vortex and arrive at episode 533, where we can suddenly see green monkeys. I'm Keith. <laughs> I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. <laughs> I did it out of turn. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Seeing green monkeys? <laughs> I like my green monkeys. <laughs> Those are my favorite parts of that thing. We'll get to that later, but that was one of my favorite parts <laughs> of the audience. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you guys do anything fun this week? Did everybody watch Guardians of the Galaxy uh, holiday yes. special? Yes. Oh, yay. It was so much fun. It was fun. And it was I liked a, it a lot. It was, you know, while not pace by pace, like exactly like the Star Wars holiday special, it, it definitely was an homage with the musical number and mm-hmm. the animation. And I just, it was a lot of fun. And it made me realize how much I have missed my Guardians crew and can't wait for volume three. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's for sure. And Swole Groot. <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> which at first i thought it was a guy in a costume i thought oh they're saving some money but then i saw that uh, james gunn had uh tweeted that no it's still cgi he just because he's tra- been trying to drive home the point that it is a it's groot's offspring it's not groot again it's groot's offspring that this Groot is a different group so they're taking a different mm. look this Groot's developing differently than his father did so which makes sense Oh, man, and Kevin Bacon. He was so good in it. So good. I never really had thought much about Mantis before, but now after this, I like her a whole lot yeah, more. Yeah. Yeah. And that big reveal. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, a lot of people had suspected that anyway. I don't know if you guys had seen that, but I for like the last few years, I've been seeing a lot of people saying that that was potentially the case, but mm. they verified it. Uh, did you guys do anything else? Um, I had another thing and I can't remember what it was, but maybe it'll come to me. Oh, yeah. Caitlin was home. We saw, uh, Black Panther Wakanda forever again. Oh, nice. I finally, uh, got all of Moonlight, Moon Knight watched. Oh, how'd what you think? Which I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a lot different than I expected. Yeah. uh, Especially from the trailer. It it went off in kind of weird different directions that I liked. I, I don't know if I was always... I would look forward to watching it knowing I had another episode coming, but I wasn't like bouncing to get to the next one. But every time I watch it, I keep going, kept thinking, wow, this is so much better than I think it would be. Yeah. <laughs> and Oscar Isaac did such a great performance in that. He really made those two characters distinct and separate. Yeah. And yeah. Two? And all the, the zaniness. <laughs> well, then three. <laughs> Was no, there was, there was three all along. We just didn't. Oh, see that's the, true. We just didn't see but, the third one. Yeah, and you know the third one is the action guy, anyways. Yeah, the blackout. The, the zaniness of it, I I also really appreciated. I do kind of wish they would have somewhat tried to explain how there are now Egyptian gods in the Marvel universe, but you know, whatever. Well, obviously they've always been there, but it would have been nice to give some alien. Or eternal, or some sort of reference there, unless I dismissed it. Well, the impression you that I think it may give is that they've pretty much just stepped away, and they're they're not here. Yeah. Conchu's really the only one that is still sort of well, and and he was trapped for so long until, uh, oh, Oscar Isaac's character now the name escapes me, but until he, you know, f- freed him and and. Took Mark. him on. Yeah, Mark. Um, but they pretty much have distanced themselves and they're kind of somewhere else and they only use their avatars here to communicate when necessary or to do business when necessary. So it makes sense that they've kind of been in the background because, you know, when the uh, Alexander the Great sarcophagus thing was, you know, gone and buried and they had kind of gone off and, yeah. and Khonshu was really only the only thing that was kind of bringing them back when they needed to come back so and then what's his name the uh uh the other guy that was trying to uh resurrect the other dead egyptian yeah uh, it just felt very disconnected from the mcu it was good in his own standalone but as far as like the mcu big picture it felt very isolated and on its own i could see that 
I, I just that. I just wish it could have would have had more like Easter eggs or drop lines to connect it to the bigger picture. Well, they did mention the uh, the uh, oh the Wakanda. What do they call theirs? The yeah, uh, they did. They did mention the astral plane. Astral plane, yeah. which was funny. The episode ancestral af- ancestral plane. Yeah, the ancestral plane, which was funny. The ep- that episode where they reference it was like that night or the next night after I had seen. Wakanda forever. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so it timed out really nicely uh, that neat. I caught that reference. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I'm glad you liked it. I I, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun, and I, definitely I agree. I think season. I think Oscar Isaac's was just primed for that part. Sean, what about wow. you? <clears throat> um, kind of a low key week this week. I've been doing a ton of work, so uh, not too much on the fun side. We got half of our Christmas decorations set and ready to go. We have to do ours in stages. We also got we got the outside lights done and all the inside decorations too. So we are fully decorated and ready for Christmas. Huzzah! And Jim has already been asking how long until Christmas. <laughs> That's the only problem with little ones and putting it up this early is then it's like they they just completely want it to be here now. We did sneak out to go see Glass Onion over in Lawrence. The, uh, the Knives Out sequel. Uh-huh. And um, wow, I it's just as good, if not possibly even a little better than, than the first one. Wow. I really liked it. That's impressive. So uh, unfortunately, it has such a very limited window of availability in theaters. You have to wait till, I think, Christmas uh, for Netflix to, to start running it. But yes. I didn't realize it was going to be that limited. Yeah, yeah, apparently it was small. it was like a week. It was uh, whatever is uh, just enough to get Oscar considerations right, out of yeah. the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to hold on to my Netflix for a little bit. I'm going to hold on to Netflix for a little bit longer anyway because I'm going to watch Wednesday. But do you collect Doctor Who? Do you have Doctor Who items and you don't know you collect Doctor Who? For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. I am Larry Van Rusbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 40 years. With popular features like collection protection and the most outrageous offer, we have a lot of fun. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Network podcast. All right, well, let's uh, move on to... uh, We don't have any news of the week, so let's move on to our review. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The Eighth Doctor Adventures, The Time War 3. This war is starving civilizations out of existence. I am going to find out who is doing this, and I will make certain they don't get to do it again. The Time War... But that's impossible. I I thought the Time War had finished. Did you not hear me? The Daleks are now threatening the multiverse. I'm not a Dalek. Do I look like a Dalek? Gallifrey, I'm sure that's... Time Lords, the Time Lords are from Gallifrey. That's worse. The Daleks vanished everywhere. No one else even seems to remember they existed. What you are doing, it isn't kindness. It is genocide. Alternative timelines. Different histories. It's all just theory, but... To actually be able to see them. The whole side of the ship's been destroyed. What do we do? Big finish. We love stories. I am known as the Valyard. Now, it is almost time for your final destruction. State of Bliss. Bliss has lost her home, her family, and her friends. An orphan of the Time War, the Doctor attempts to find out where things went wrong. Across a multiverse of possibilities, Bliss discovers the many paths of her life could have taken. But do they always lead to the Time War? And if Bliss can save her past, will she destroy her future? And the Doctor's? This was alright. <laughs> I found it very confusing and hard to follow. I think that was my... I think it was a good story. I think it was well done. I just was very confused most of the time. And, and yeah. yeah, had a lot of trouble following what was going on. 
And then once I finally got a hang of what was going on, they switched, like, timelines or whatever, and then I was lost all over again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it took me a few to kind of get used to that, like, what are we doing? Oh, okay, I see where you're going with this. And then you'd get into the new groove, and then all of a sudden it was jump track again, and it was like, ugh, all right, here we go again. Um, but it was an interesting story. I didn't dislike it. Yeah. I can't remember what else I'm thinking of that Matt Fitton wrote, but it seems like the stuff that we have reviewed uh, of his always seems to have these very grandiose uh, esoteric's not the word, but sort of just uh, mind-altering ideas that I think he I think he writes them well. I just think I, I have a hard time uh, wrapping my brain around some of it out of time, I guess was probably one. I don't know that we do. We review that one with 10th doctor and with 10 and four. I can't remember if we did that one. That was one of no, the ones I, I was think thinking. That was of. You just, you just me. Okay. That was one that I think was a little, a bit high minded, I guess. I don't even know that that's the word for it. It's just very convoluted is not even the word because I don't want to put a, a negative connotation on it because like I say, I think he does a fairly good job. It's just, you really have to be on your toes when you're when you're reading or listening to a Matt and Fitton uh, story. I think he his did. stories would be better in a visual, especially these sort of stories would be better in a visual medium where you could see those transitions and changes and instantly be able to keep up a little quicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where yeah. the audio makes it a little harder because it's all the same actors. It's all then they're all of a sudden talking differently and talking about different things. And it, it takes you a little bit to try to you know spin those wheels and catch up whereas with a video visual medium you would be able to catch on real quick yeah of yeah. this set he has done echoes of war which was the very first uh on the jungle planet that was going through the time oh yeah stuff. <laughs> yeah okay there you go and the conscript where uh, the doctor goes to boot camp okay he also did. Uh, he one. also did Rulers of the Universe, which was one of the Diary of River, the the fourth one in the first set of the Diary of River Song, which I think was another one of those ones that was complicated. That's what I'm looking for. He writes very complicated, complicated. stories. Yeah, which is not a bad thing. It's just sometimes no, it's absolutely hard not. to keep track. Right. Um, I think that we sort of got. You know, in a weird roundabout way, I think this is the one where this is what I've been waiting for. Uh, in in terms of, I felt like we didn't really get introduced to Bliss well enough yet, and I think this is this takes the first major step in sort of understanding uh, why she's such an anomaly or why she's sort of a girl out of time. And we've done kind of the girl out of time concept before, but I like that she's very much an amalgamation of different timelines because of what was being done in order to. Uh, you know, manipulate and sort of trap the doctor and bring bring him uh, to this point where he could be used. And so I think that I was, I felt a little more satisfied with this story because I felt like this was a lot more bliss focused. She wasn't just a companion, you know, hanging around being smart occasionally. This one focused more on her and gave us a little bit more, well, a lot more of her backstory. Well, I agree, except I wish it was more of her actual backstory instead of these what-if situations. Well, I think that's the... You know I, what I mean? I think that's the idea, though, is that she is a it lot is of these... all of yeah, these. Yeah, it's just all of these what-if situations, which I think makes her even more complex of a character because... Uh, I guess they do have that you, conversation at the end about how she remembers all of it. Right, now, you and, can't really nail down her past, which I think to can be to an author's benefit because they can really kind of have fun with that in the future by, you know, anything's possible with her now because you can refer to any number of pasts for her and it makes sense because this story kind of solidifies the idea that... A good example would be we have established characters in the Doctor Universe that have, because of multiple media sources, have very complex and, and, and contradictive contradictive timelines and this one 
that's the theme of this story. It starts with the contradictive timelines. And so it's, it's already muddled. So you just kind of go out from here, you know? So I think that's kind of, that's kind of a unique position to have. That's true. Sean, you're awful quiet. Um, I don't know. I, I struggle with this one because I, I, again, I didn't dislike it. Uh, as Keith alluded to, I, I, I enjoy bliss as a character and any excuse to get more of her, uh, and, and, and kind of delve into the backstory and, you know, as, as very aptly as the doctor says, an orphan of the time war, uh, and, and what exactly does that mean? Um, so that, that was great. And, um, I appreciated some of the <clears throat> alternative, um, the histories that we were thrown into, like the one where the doctor was the, uh, you know, Gestapo leader in charge of the planet, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it kind of made me realize that, wow, it'd be kind of interesting to cast Paul again as the villain of a piece because he, he, he lowered his voice to a register or something that just, it, it, he was still the doctor, but he had an edge to it that wasn't, that's not normally there. Yeah. And, uh, I got chills listening to that, but um, it was it was certainly a clever way to play with her memories too, because yeah, it yeah. was it was basically her mind surplanting the doctor into those scenarios. So it wasn't necessarily like it was an alternate timeline for the doctor. It happened to be he she was uh, re, you know reflecting or or projecting him into those scenarios as her mind was recalling the, that information and i thought that was a clever way to kind of you know utilize just a handful of actors that you already have and and explain why paul mcgann is, is playing different parts and i think that was mm -hmm. something that for, at first made it a little bit confusing until you i think there's a dropped line where it talks about how she's remembering these out you know the the the, the characters are exist but she's remembering them in a different you know as a different person or different persona right also nice use of the uh, tardis telepathic circuits yes yeah. yes yeah we haven't gotten much of that with classic uh who so that was that was interesting yeah it, it was good it's a good start i think this is if you're going to do one that's complex like this i think you do that and you get it kind of out of the way and i don't mean that again in a bad way but it makes it sound like we're saying that this story isn't very good but it is and i but i think it's good to set it up at the first and kind of establish it and get it over with and then kind of move on to i don't want to say simpler stories but maybe less complex ones which although some of these next stories that we're going to review aren't you know simple stories either this is a dense box set it is yeah <laughs> it really is <laughs> You are invited on an adventure across all of time and space, in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Khashki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Hooniverse. On Shuffle. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. The Famished Lands. Trying to make a difference far from the front lines, the Doctor and Bliss arrive on the Vale of Iptheus, where the Time War is starving populations out of existence. The inhabitants have taken matters into their own hands, but are now on course for something worse. Bliss discovers exactly how the robot enablers are helping the people, while the Doctor uncovers a terrifying secret. Was anybody Half was anybody concerned that this was going to turn into a Soylent Green scenario? <laughs> I was, I was especially yeah, pretty much. I was especially horrified that that might happen after the Doctor and Bliss had both had their meal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to give half of this story a done and and then half of the story gets a what? <laughs> I'll let you guys see if you can figure out which half is which. Well, I, I <laughs> the the end sort of meanders and <clears throat> it sort of. It subtly moves it into a okay, we're going to make things better by doing this, you know, and, and instead of kind of really 
any consequence for what's been happening. It's sort of kind of we're going to kind of brush this under the the rug and you're going to do things differently. You're going to do things right this time. And we're going to get the Time Lords to help you out, which felt like a cop out to me because I knew that he was going to go ask this favor and they're going to go, oh, yeah, yeah, well, we don't have time for that. You know, so I was like, okay, this is this isn't going to go nowhere. But I think the concept and the setup was probably the best part of this. And then the resolution is probably the weakest part, in my opinion. I can see that. I, I really like the idea of the of this story and, you know, the impacts the Time War is having, even with one, planets that aren't being pulled into the war directly. And that this planet has, you know, they've lost their food supply, essentially, and have to come up with a different option and exploring that and discovering what has happened and where things have gone wrong was absolutely fascinating for me where it kind of went off the rails. Well, I agree with you that the, the ending was kind of a little lackluster. It's really, I struggled once it got to the skeleton army in the, <laughs> the Legion of bones. <laughs> yeah. Legion of bones. It's like, oh, dang, how did this go that direction? Yeah. And why? It's just, it seemed like a, a step a little too ridiculous maybe not ridiculous, but a step too much in the far-fetched category where it seems like, how did this thing that you're doing wind up doing this? And and then even this down to the idea of how they were going to even control the Legion of Bone didn't feel like it was explored enough other than, well, they're just going to be here to protect us in case we need it. Right, exactly. Yeah, that was the half that did not work for me at all. Like I, I 100% agree with Keith. The, the setup was great. The the this is one of those things that you know, we, as we've delved into the time war and gotten further and further into it, we I think we've pretty well established the you know blink and you miss it planets and civilizations that were here and are now gone concept, uh, and 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 how the time aspects of the time war work. But this was kind of the first practical. This was a war aspect of the yeah, that you know we're talking about a a, a, a a supply route has been disrupted because a war broke out and it's like that's a very well duh kind of thing but right. we hadn't really I had not considered it and so to see the the you know that it's not just this planet this is the planet that we happen to land on and so the implications of that are kind of horrific that you know the, oh this is one of the famished lands. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're going to narrow our focus down to this planet and, and deal with these poor people. And, you know, something obviously was up. You know, that that was kind of, I mean, well, obviously it's a Doctor Who story. Something's always up. But <laughs> <laughs> with, uh, you know, the robots uh, euthanizing folk and, and whatnot, you, you kind of knew that, okay, there's, there's, I think I've already got most of the pieces of this puzzle. I just needed a little help putting yeah. them in the right order. Yeah. And so I didn't have any problems with that. I enjoyed that whole run. And I appreciated that when we split the Doctor and Bliss up, that Bliss is just rapidly becoming another one of my favorite characters because she carries on her investigation on her own. Uh, you know, I mean, she she is swept up in this wave of circumstances, but she is no damsel in distress. And... Uh, goes so far as to steal the trans mat and then when Israel united with the doctor you know oh how'd you find me well i had to hit you know 13 different settings before i found you right <laughs> I mean, yeah there's a whole there's a whole box set of adventures there of what could have happened to her but you know uh just just very off the cuff yeah no big deal i, I got it figured out and it just made me love her all the more because of how resourceful she is and uh, we we also get the the green monkeys in this. <laughs> Which that is, whole sequence where he's well, hallucinating was fantastic. Yeah. And when uh, Aaron, when she's takes him into the, uh, the 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 factory or the room or whatever, and she's like, you know, have a look around, uh, see what you think. <laughs> Don't touch anything. And then he's like, wait. You're gonna let me in a room by myself. <laughs> tell me not to touch something. Tell me not to touch something. What's wrong? Yeah. I, well, and, and that, and and you know, you're not you're not locking me up. You're just giving me free reign to look at stuff. <laughs> he knows something's up, and he suspects something's yeah. up, and he's right. It's uh, a trap, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. That, but then, then, and they get well, and and she's she's basically leading him to his to his death. She she 
thinks that this is going to end up to. killing him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so the the uh, the shock when the one guy calls and says, oh, we've got an intruder, and she's oh, he's dead, right? He didn't have a mask. Well, he's dead, right? No, he's still alive. <laughs> and luckily, because his physiology is different. Um, but yeah, so the, the the hallucinations and boy, man, again, just sells that. I believed that he was really seeing those those monkeys, uh, and and then it, it and then it's very much a uh, surprise. And he doesn't. He thinks that when Bliss shows up, that he's that she's in his head, and that's not real too, because now yeah. he's finally his Time Lord mind is finally rationalizing that. Okay, this is all in my head. This is all in my head. <laughs> <laughs> the the beauty of that scene too is that we we. You know, the first half of the story is starvation and 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 famine, and oh my God, this is horrible. Uh, and and it's it's kind of almost a down, you know, story through the first half. And then you get this nugget of absurdity. And it's not just McGann's performance, which is great, as always. But the 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 music cue and the the sound design and everything that cues in just all of a sudden, it was like, are those monkeys? I said, that sounds like monkeys. And then McGann says, green monkeys. And you're just kind of <laughs> off and rolling on this thing. And it's, it's so out of place and it worked wonderfully to break that, that mood. And I, I did not expect it at all. Unfortunately, it's then followed up by this Legion of bone idea. <laughs> the, this psychotropic drug that they've been feeding the populace that makes them think that they're eating when they're not actually eating. Clever concept. And, yeah. Very clever yeah, concept. All for that. But it has the there's a, there's one dropped line about well it also mutates you into this and it's right. like how does that work? <laughs> I mean I'm all for unexpected you know side effects in, in a mad science experiment but well we developed this and it's a food substitute but it doesn't work but it makes you think that it's a food substitute so you're happy okay we can roll with that. And then the first hundred people started turning into these giant skeleton things and the brain shrunk and they're what? <laughs> At what point did you decide this was a good idea to just continue to do doing that? And yeah. we're going to, yeah, let's, let's roll this out there. there you, you went all the way through beta testing and went planet wide. Let's, let's unleash this on the populace. And because we might need an army of well, bone protect to protect us. The, the disconnect think, of those two ideas is so far that my brain was like, mm. I, I would agree. I think had it not been painted in the idea of the Legion of Bone and and, and uh, mutating these people in order to be this army, I think her her motives are sound. It's all for the wrong reason, and she's very misguided. But her reasons are sound because she believes that the Time Lords and the Daleks are basically coming for everybody else. And so she's looking to protect her planet and her people. She's going about it all wrong, and she's got a really stupid way of doing it, but she does have the motive there. So I, I have to give her that. Um, and and, well, and I just I, ha I have to wonder, it's like, okay, so if, if we're going to have a side effect from a food substitute, you know, zombies, mindless zombies, I could have bought that. Yeah. The, yeah. The, because it's a psychotropic, it, it does this. Okay. They don't have a lot of strength, but, the, you know, they, they just become enraged and do their thing. All right, I'd have bought that. Um, I don't know. Th throw out some other ideas. Yeah, okay, I'll buy that. Bones. It's a walking skeleton. There's no muscular structure, but there's still a brain, and it can... Mm. <laughs> steroided up, you know, skeletons from... Ray Harryhausen. <laughs> yeah, well, I imagine, imagine. Yeah, exactly. I sort of nine feet the, tall. I imagine the uh, army in uh, Army of Darkness just larger. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Just the the deadites are coming for you, and it's like, mm, I, yeah, I don't know. That's a bridge too far. And I think if, I don't know if we'd started off with kind of a Halloween theme to the the the, the House of Horrors, if it had been a, a brain of Morbius situation, I'd have been fine with that. But going from one extreme to the other, just it, it just kind of fell apart for me. And then you stick that pat ending on the end. Oh well, you know, I'll, I'll I promise to be good. You're right. I'm wrong. You have oh, to. The time you have to help. I'll confess, have to confess my sins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, it felt very much like I don't know. Maybe there were too many 
cooks in the kitchen and then they wrote themselves into a corner and went, well, just end it. <laughs> we, we, we need an ending. Just end it. Get out of the story and into the next one. And oh, and, and the, the brief was the doctor has to owe Tamison a favor at the end of this. Right, right. Okay. I, <laughs> yeah, didn't didn't the, the the end of it didn't work for me at all. All right. Well, I kind of hope they would revisit the planet in the oh. future and discover that you know she had they didn't actually you know stop doing it and have to deal with it in a different manner. I also did I miss did so Bliss at one point is very concerned because she ate after she finds out that they they mutate into these things and she realizes she ate the food. Did the doctor ever address that? Because he kept saying he gave her something at the end to that which should fix it. Okay, the, I missed, uh, missed that. Yeah, the the lady in charge said, "Oh, it can be reversed if we get to it right away." Okay, which is another pat fix yeah that if, if you're going to go that route it, it could have just as easily been explained away as you, have you to didn't eat more ha- than just one bite right? yes yeah. it, it takes a while to build up a thing you'll okay. be fine you know <laughs> one, one dose is not going to kill you but no it was an immediate oh yeah you've had the food you're doomed oh, right which oh, was what also we gonna a do? bit of a stretch what are we going to do here i fixed it <laughs> well <laughs> pat it <Andy. Okay. laughs> Capture and escape. I mean, it's... <laughs> Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip, and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including... Dalton Hughes. And... Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. All right, well, let's move on to the next one. Fugitive in Time. Returning a favor for Major Tamazan, the Doctor and Bliss accompany her to extract a dangerous fugitive from an isolated medieval world. Shaunath is the last of her kind and has her reasons to be wary of Time Lords. What's more, the Daleks are also on her trail. And when the Doctor and her friends arrive, the enemy is already closer than they think. Ah, this is another one that I, there, there were ideas here that I really, really liked. And then there were other parts of it that didn't quite gel. I sort of like this one, except for the, the, what I did like about the Famishlands is this is what I kind of wanted to see from the Eighth Doctor. I don't want the Eighth Doctor on the front lines. I want the Eighth Doctor on the, you know, the rebound and trying to protect these planets and these populations that are, you know, at, uh, threatened by the the war or 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 are casualties of the war or are in some way being affected by the war. And you could do a whole, you could do dozens and dozens of stories of the Eighth Doctor popping around and and helping all of these different groups and societies and, and planets and whatnot. And so that's what I like. So the, what I didn't like about this one is it felt like the doctor's being yanked back to the front lines again. And while this is more of a sort of uh, an espionage uh, mission, it still felt a little bit out of character for the eighth doctor to now granted, he feels like he's doing this as a way to convince uh, what's her name to go ahead and help with that planet and, and, you know, make those changes and leave that planet alone. So the starvation thing doesn't happen, but it just didn't feel that way. That being said, I actually liked the story. I thought it was really cool. I was very much surprised by who the Dalek uh, agent was. I did not Mm -hmm. suspect the King at all. Um, I like, again, bliss in this situation where she's very, she ends up getting, you know, caught out, but she's very savvy in playing this role as the uh, lady in waiting. And, using her wits and her skill to try to convince the, you know, the King that, and, and, you know, that she is who he thinks she is. And then 
again, that kind of falls down. But she's very capable there at the beginning until it kind of starts to fall apart. But I also like the fact that the king isn't such a dullard and, you know, just blah, 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 that he buys into it and yes. sees through all right. of it. He the, does. Yeah. The fact that it's a very smart king, I really appreciate it because I fully expected him to just kind of be the dupe that gets his the wool pulled over his eyes the whole time. And so this story for me constantly surprised me. And that's what I liked about it. It went in different directions. It avoided a lot of tropes that it could have easily fell into. Yeah, agreed. In fact, at one point in time, I the uh, uh, planet, I forget the name of it now, Thelion? Thelion, yeah. Thelion. <clears throat> at one point in time, I misheard it as Pelion <laughs> and got really confused and excited at the same time, like, Oh, did I just not notice that we're? Ret- I mean, first of all, how 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 do you do a Pelion story without putting Pelion in the in the title? Secondly, what the hell happened to the planet? Are we time more? And so I kind of went down this whole rabbit hole of and what happened to the D in the word name? Yeah, Pelion. <laughs> thank you. Uh, you knew where I was going. Where, where, yeah, where, yeah. Where, sounds where's, similar. Where's Mikey? You know, <laughs> Alpha Centauri would have had this cleared up, no problem. Um, but, uh, it was once I figured out that's not what they had said, I was like, okay. But that's um, a great point. This, those feel very much like a Peladon esque society. It, it seems like it was very much inspired by the Peladon stories based yeah. off, of, you know, the time period that it, they're kind of set. And even though they're futuristic, uh, you know, that medieval aspect of it on an alien world gives it that Peladon feel. I, I kind of actually had the same, well, I didn't mishear the name. I didn't have a thought of, while listening to it, that it felt Peladon-esque. Yeah. And well, and I like the, the anachronistic nature of things like that, that we are, mm-hmm. you know, okay, we've obviously got a castle and a palace and a keep and, you know, the king's probably running around with his cape and, and, and bearskins and yet they have medical scanners and all this kind of stuff okay that's cool i can get behind all that um we've got kind of a karn situation with planet the uh, uh, planet littered with junk spaceships that have crashed into the surface and it's like okay that's cool i can get behind that um the 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 fugitive first of all what a very cool idea and and once more show me the the just absolute horrible nature of the time lords <laughs> that, <laughs> that they decided this was a good idea now we're just going to erase you from history across the board just boom 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 and gone um and the very blase nature of of of, of tamasan about it and and how she's like yeah we did it i'd do it again if i could you know and it was just like wow and so i like the fact that bliss is the um the moral compass, if you will. Yeah. The, the doctor's outraged, but he's already on to the quest of, well, if this person is here, there's more to this than, than, than just going and taking care of this device, this MacGuffin of a genetic manipulator. Um, the, the, he's already kind of moved on to that problem. And bliss is the one that's kind of left going, no wrong. You, what do you, what do you know? And I, again, I like that about her character. Yeah. The this is one of those that almost felt I hesitate to say overproduced. I get what they were going for with this poor woman being in constant pain after monkeying around with her uh, genetic material to offset her just enough so that the Time Lord weapon wouldn't get her. But man, it was annoying. Just the 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 labored breathing and the the the, the pitch of her voice. Every you know, I, I I felt it that every breath and 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 word spoken was in absolute agony. But it was also not pleasant to listen to, and not just because of that reason. It just it just kind of had that effect. Did anybody else feel that way, or was no, it just I, me? No, I agree, and I think that it, what made it even worse was, I'm going to back up a little bit, Emery, the starving man in the last story, he was very labored in his delivery, but he wasn't yeah. there very long, and he did have a noble end. He sacrificed himself so that Bliss could get away. But it, it, after that, I just that what it, his 
portrayal was very grating in in his suffering. And I understand why they did it, why they're going. But then to turn around and have another story where somebody else is suffering, albeit in a different way, it did. It seemed very, I don't know that overproduced is the word. I think it just felt overacted maybe a little bit. I think you could conveyed that she was in constant pain without having gone as far of presenting it. I think, I think they felt like, Oh, this is audio. We're going to have to really push it, you know, uh, verbally, but I didn't think they needed to do that. Yeah. I don't Maybe, maybe it was just me, but that, that kind of soured that. Did I just agree with you? (laughs) No, you didn't. (laughs) Then it's not just you. (laughs) I, I can see a little, I can see that too. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be polite, you know, maybe it was me, but um, it, it did. It, it soured those elements of the story a little bit that it's like, oh, she's talking again. Okay. <laughs> not, not quite Delta in the Bannerman levels of what, <laughs> but it was there. Oh, I do like uh, Bliss uh, realizing that because the uh, tapestry was not allowed, the great tapestry was not allowed to be touched that she's mm-hmm. the one that deduces the mm-hmm. idea that that must be where the genetic modifier is being hidden. Well, and I love the, uh, when, when they get, again, they get split up and Bliss is like, right, I'm just supposed to go off and do the thing is, Oh, you'll be in the palace. You'll be, you know, you, you got the end you're set. Right, right. And it takes all of, I don't know what, an hour for the King to figure her out. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I love the conversation where he goes, oh, right. Well, how come we sent everybody else ahead? Oh, I wanted to show you this. The, you know, here's the waterfall. Everybody knows what it's called. <laughs> Why don't you tell me? And it's like, oh, man, you what? are so boned. What did she call it? <laughs> just, well, my family just called it the. <laughs> the waterfall. Yeah. The, the, the big waterfall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there, there were there were definitely elements to this that were a lot of fun. And then we get to the inevitable. The Daleks show up and screw everything up. And it's like, okay, cool. And I'm I'm fine with it all the way up to the end. And the Doctor being, again, I, I've said this before. I like it when the Doctor is two steps ahead of me. Yeah. You know, because he should be. And when they're struggling to get back to the room and... Tamasan's like, you go, I'll help her. Yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah. You couldn't see through that, Doc. Yeah. And he 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 just kind of gives her a okay, I'll trust you. No, 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 no. And it's like, dude. Yeah. I thought the same thing. And then he has, and he, then he, has he has the gall to be surprised later. Is well, that anything he, you want to tell me? He I know that that's <laughs> that's what I think. I, I sort of that sort of worked because I thought, OK, he has figured it out. He knew that that was going to happen anyway. But then it was a very much when she says, oh, no, I, I didn't. Then he's very much OK. But if I ever find out you, you did, I thought, yeah, I he, she did. And, you know, she did. And so you need to confront it here and now. Not if I ever find out that was that was a little frustrating. I, what I, are you going to do, Doctor, when she when, when you do find out? Right. Yeah, exactly. I, I went one step further with it. Is, is First of all, his if I ever find out, it wasn't delivered with enough gravitas sure. for a McGann threat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he has a certain pitch that he goes to when he's threatening somebody. And I get excited. And he didn't go there with it. Um, this was almost more of a, oh, if I ever find out you did this, you know, I will be severely cross with you. Right. You know, but, but worse than that is the, is there anything you want to tell me, which implies that he knows what's up. Right. Well, that makes him culpable because he walked off to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. And and that just really, uh, that, that was a sour. No, 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 no. I don't like that. Uh, Again, it was written in such a way that this is what had to happen, of course. I mean, I don't think it was to anybody's surprise. We know Thomason's going to go there. We oh, know yeah. that she's going to, you know, oh, yeah, this is the mission. We're going to recover this. No, it isn't. You're going there so that you can assassinate this person. I mean, no, let's I, just call it know, what it is. I know that Seanath was the uh, last survivor of this group that the Time Lords had basically erased from time. But did they ever tell us why they erased from, them from time? 
I don't think they did. They didn't. They and didn't. I, okay. And I want that story. I want to now know yeah. the backstory of this, and then they can go there and, and explain, you know, I don't need to know that Shauna Cuts gets away and how she gets away. I just want to know what, what these people did was so bad for the to the Time Lords that the Time Lords felt they needed to be deleted from time. And was that part of the war or was that, like, pre-war? Because, you know, the Time Lords I got the were, impression it was pre-war. Yeah, the Time Lords were pretty uh, ruthless even back then. Yeah, because McGann even references uh, you know something about oh it's a legend of the the last of the things that doesn't yeah. exist and you know yeah. th- this has been around for a while, which then sets up the idea of why haven't you done this to the Daleks before now? I mean, if you had this ability, what did this race do that was so egregious <laughs> that you wiped them from history? And yet the Daleks. What did they do that was worse than the Daleks? Exactly. What What did they do that the, the, the Daleks didn't do yet? And it's just I, I well, that that it's one of those threads of a sweater. The moment you start I, yeah. pulling at this, the whole thing, and it's like, okay, I can't do that because I, I like to believe though that whatever they did back then, they don't have that that ability to do it now. And because it's or at le- least the of moral legend, not to do and where the more well or that or. Because well, I think that they are—they're desperate enough in this time war that they would do it to the Daleks. So I have to either believe a they don't have the ability to do it now, or b the Daleks have always been one step ahead of them and they've not been able to do it because the Daleks have have outmaneuvered them each time that they've tried. So I have to believe that that's it's one of those two scenarios. I guess because they, because they definitely the, do- the doctor back at Genesis to stop their rebirth. right. They definitely they definitely would have wiped the Daleks out from time by now. I guess there's a line in one of the Gallifrey stories we listened to where they were concerned about, we can't go to this level because the Daleks would also go to that level. Yeah. In many ways. One of the War Master stories. Or was it a War Master? Yeah, I think it was. That, uh, Which I have it, a hard time believing the, more, the Daleks aren't already going to 11 as it is, just being the Daleks. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they're holding back anything, really. I think the Gallifreyans just think the Daleks are holding back. I'm surely the Dalek strategist is not concerned with. <laughs> no, they don't have the moral implications. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they, they do. We, that they have to think about. We could wipe them out, but they would come back and do this to us. The Dalek strategist would be like, we could wipe them out, and we're obviously superior, so there's no way they could get us. <laughs> you know? So we should wipe them out. <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's there's a lot of little niggling problems with the end of it. That's just like, eh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Although at the very end, somebody shows up. It does set up the final story, Whee! and it did it did re, it did redeem itself greatly once I figured out who that was. <laughs> <laughs> the return of the man who I once shared a bathroom schedule with. Okay, raise your hands if that was what you thought of. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> My hands up. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I did not. <laughs> I, I said, hey, it's Glenn's bathroom, buddy. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 13, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time round. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex. All right, well, let's move on to the next story. The War of Valyard. The Valyard has returned to the universe amid the Time War, and the Time Lords see his potential to end the conflict for good. When the Doctor discovers that his twisted future self has been conscripted, he sets out with Bliss to find him, braving a planet ravaged by Daleks. But in a world where he can finally be a hero, will the Valyard want to leave? Despite its similarities to the first story in the set with the uh, confusing, rewriting, timey-wimey nature of it, this one gets a done and a. Yeah. 
largely because of Michael Jason. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I like about this one is it, as confusing as it is, it gives us a glimmer of a Valyard who could have been a good version of the Doctor, a glimpse of it. His evil nature ends up bleeding through in a lot of these scenarios, but at the very end, there is almost this redemption arc for the the good that's in it as he's referring to himself as the doctor. Uh, you know, obviously he's questioning each time that, that he has these, you know, memories or the, the laughter in his mind that, that, you know, he's, he is evil or that he's being manipulated or whatever. Um, I also like the fact that when the doctor and bliss, uh, managed to arrive on the planet, that the first way that the doctor pictures him is the very same way he saw him in Mm -hmm. trial of the time Lord, because that's what his mind would project because that's what he's familiar with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really like the idea of, you know, the fact, what a clever way to bring the Valyard back and not have it actually be the future incarnation that we don't know what's going to happen with, which I think has now been written off as an alternate timeline future incarnation because of the time war i think this sort of kind of helps solidify why the valyard doesn't actually come to be and also lets him be its own his own thing at the same time agreed um the idea that he tries to be good and be the doctor while battling with these inner evil thoughts and feelings and all this inner turmoil that he's going through is absolutely fascinating. And Michael Jason does such a phenomenal job portraying both sides of that at the same time. Yeah. I mean, had the doctor and bliss not shown up, I still would have been content to listen to whatever Michael Jason was going to go through (laughs) throughout this whole box, this whole story. It would have been a, a fantastic story, even just on its own with that. Yeah. Now, does anybody know, is there a big finish Valyard return? Because there's a line that the doctor says when he's explaining who the Valyard is to Bliss that kind of makes it seem like the eighth doctor has encountered the Valyard before, not just that he's remembering him. That not just that he's, you know, um, and I could be wrong, but it, it kind of gave that impression, but yet, if not, this was the perfect setup that we had this genetic manipulator and a transmat that got bounced around from where it was supposed to go to a Dalek ship and back. And we, we, we basically have a Thomas Riker. We have a transporter accident that has created this duplicate, but the genetic is, okay, I am totally on board with that idea of how the Valyard comes to be. Because all we know is, well, it's somewhere between your final, you know, before you're into before the end of the road for you. This is the uh, they actually say between somewhere between his twelfth and final gener- uh, regeneration, something like that. Um, do they, do they yeah, I think it? they I think they put a number on it because I think that was one of the the, the things that kind of solidified the limitation on the Time Lords. Uh, amount of of regenerations they have. Um, he was in a a. Six Doctor Adventure story. Well, he was in the 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 last adventure for the the Six Doctor uh, stories, where is kind of the the uh, capping off of the Six Doctors. Uh, the true regeneration story, right before he he becomes the Seventh Doctor. Um, but there is one that was a bonus feature called the Trial of Alliard. Uh, but I think that's also Six Doctor as well. It's so a Six Doctor story I, too. I, I mean, so. the, the Six Doctor obviously now has encountered him a number of times, and there is a lot of books apparently here that they've brought the the Valyard back in, uh, which they're they are not you know Big Finish is 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 not shy about making reference to stories as well you know uh, even even if they are contradictory. So that might be the case that he, besides his encounters with him as the Sixth Doctor, perhaps he encountered him once before as well. Hmm. I don't know. I suppose we'll we shall see. We'll have to um, bring back our uh, uh, 
What did we call our villain once? Uh, Adversary archives. Adversary archives and do a Valyard. <laughs> throw some throw some Valyard stories on the on the uh, schedule. I am down. We'll have to do that next year. <laughs> I almost think I I think they they're all but writing this off, but I almost think we need to also do another uh, toy maker uh, <laughs> toy maker one <laughs> before next year. Anyway, um, yeah, no, uh, lot, lots good to be said about this one. And, and again, a, a lot of uh, surreal happening here. Um, and uh, <laughs> the Doctor and Bliss stealing Tamazan's uh, uh, <laughs> to in order to ram it through this time lock, I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> so while I... I really liked all of the things that happened in the story in the context of this story. I have big issues with what happens in the story in the context of the time war. So based off of this, the Valiard ends the time war by wiping the Daleks out, except for the one time strategist that survives, I guess maybe. Uh, doesn't that kind of give us major contradictions to what we actually know has happened? <clears throat> okay. Is it, any anyone else help bump so, on that? Or, I I may be way wait, off wait, base on. Not, I may be way ends. off base on this, but everything that the value Valyard is, everything that the Valyard is is doing is within this kind of alternate timeline that is behind a time lock. And the idea was that the this was another failed attempt for the uh, Time Lords to utilize another tool or another you know tool in their arsenal that didn't come to pass or didn't work out for them. And I my impression was that was why he was behind this time lock. So events that are happening in that timeline aren't in the prime timeline of what's actually happening in the Time War was the way that I took it away, took away from it. But, so, yes, but he the, is. But the Doctor and Bliss talk about, before they ever got behind the time lock, that the time war is over. Well, no, that was... And now looking at, at, at the TARDIS wiki, I see it, they resolve this in the next box set. But So oh, okay. I guess it's an issue that I'm, we're supposed to have. <laughs> oh, I see. All right. But well, it kind of you're, you're right. The they, do, they do talk about it as though the time war is past tense now, yeah. Because that's why they do it the way they do, to give a big reveal that the time war is actually over. Yeah, and I, that I had forgotten about that. Because of the Valyard ended the time war. Yeah. Which is a cool idea, and I, I like that within the context of the story, but in the context of the greater Doctor Who universe, it's like, wait, wait a minute. That can't work. Now, obviously, my, my thoughts might change once we get to Volume 4, um, and they might go back and fix something, which is fine, but well, it's still kind of... It lessened my after I after all said and done. I said, "Well, that was great, but that can't work." Well, the other thing that I think is we, we we're talking about the value is a product of his, of his final regenerate or you know between his final regenerations. But the if I remember right, the value comes about because of the doctor using the uh, or having the genetic modifier when he goes through the transmat yes. transmat. Because don't, yeah, the doesn't the value the value yeah he ends up having the doctor's clothes even he's basically everything except for he has the uh, value's face so yeah that was another thing that I was like okay well this is this is counter to what we know about the value in the future as well although as Sean alluded to the time the, I think the time war has sort of rerouted that into a, a you know a different. Uh, and maybe this is what they're doing is they're they're rerouting this into a different timeline. You're, you you got a good point of, there. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I, I I was kind of confused by it until we get toward the end of the story where the Valyard's explaining what the weapon does. That it's you know it, it doesn't necessarily remove them; it removes the memory of them. And how can they exist if nobody you know? Which is kind of a if a tree falls in the forest, does it still make a sound kind of argument? But yeah. um, the fact that he still exists means that they still exist in his memory, which is why the Daleks were all saying, I am the doctor, because it's right. all 
shades of his memory. And so it seems like this was an idea that the Time Lords had, and they sent him down there, and it didn't work, but they figured out what happened. And so they just kind of locked the planet up in the time lock, and it's, you know, okay, he's on his own little holodeck simulation, and we're just going to leave him be because that was that. But you're right. it doesn't it doesn't make sense from the standpoint that because their conversations were outside that time lock when they say the war's over yeah you're right that doesn't make sense so it apparently that's going to have to be resolved then later which and if big finish was doing its own thing and you know we hadn't have day of the doctor and all the stuff we know about the time war mm-hmm. i would be okay this is how the time war ended cool yeah that, that, that's a good ending <laughs> but it's you know in the context of the bigger picture where we i have issues yeah yeah, yeah. i guess we shall that's, find that out. was my literally only <laughs> complaint with this story all the rest of it i absolutely loved yeah agreed it was so so very good and i love that michael jaston um was able to and Glenn, I think, alluded to this earlier, where he he played both sides of the role, but it was all... When he was the Doctor, his vocal performance almost reminded me of... Uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Tony Ja. He plays the uh, the Bishop and Hunchback of Notre Dame. Nobody? It's been so long since I've seen that. <laughs> He, 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 he's been in a ton of things, a great voiceover, and he, he's he's got that very deep, resonant bass voice. And so much to the extent where I, I saw that and not so much the Valyard. Because, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I've met Michael Jason. I know what he sounds like. This is not it. And so he, he, he was being this kind of, you know, heroic, dramatic figure. And then when the when the Valyard shows up in the Doctor's memory for that stint, all of a sudden it's Michael Jaston. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, they, you know. And it, it was just again, it's all vocal inflection, but it was Tony just J. Tony J. That's his name. Thank you. Yep. Um, it was just wonderful how it was done. Um, and uh, was Tony J. in Ratatouille? Was he the uh, the, the food critic as well. Uh, I don't remember. I'm going off on a tangent. It doesn't no, matter. But right. it, I don't think he was. I'm looking. He, he's got that voice. Once you hear it, you go, oh, it's that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, Jason was almost channeling him with his doctor because he was so dramatic about things. And I loved his, uh, you know. Oh, he was, he was sheer con in the uh, Jungle Book, too. Yeah, his asides, uh, you know, when he, he's rambling on and pontificating and, and <laughs> Bliss makes her, her snide little comment about, oh, big words. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there was just so much to like with this one. Yeah, I'm bothered by that now, Sean, because I'd kind of imagined the way that, that Sean was more elo- eloquently saying it than I did, but... You're right. That was outside of the time lock. So why, why is that past changed for them, or that future is changed for them at that point? I guess. So as he said, it, 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 it'll, it'll it'll resolve itself yeah. at some point. We do have another box set for the Eighth Doctor. <laughs> so spoiler alert. Well, that's a nice segue into uh, what do we got coming up on the schedule, Sean? Well, coming up next for us is the next box set in the Time War with the Eighth Doctor, Time War 4. We will also be uh, Oh, reviewing... did you guys hear that in that they're going to resolve the reason, why, <laughs> the, the reason why the Time War was ended? We were also going to review uh, Short Trips, A Heart on Both Sides, uh, from the seventh series, Story 9, I believe is uh, what we've determined that one is. Uh, and then we uh, kind of cap it all off with some uh, classic Doctor's New Monsters and Day of the Vashtanarada. Uh I hope you bring your thinking caps, because apparently this is another Matt Fitton story. 
something to look forward to there, Ooh. along with uh, recapping a couple of the other stories from that box set, just to kind of finish off what uh, the powers that be have deemed Act Two of the Time War and where everything is uh, set. I actually believe Day of the Vastronorata is the only one that takes place in the Time War for that box set, and it's 2.4. Yes. But we had talked about potentially doctor. just reviewing the entire series of, of the second set because we hadn't done it yet. The other ones that surround that are ones that we've already done from Diary of the River Song and Classic Doctors, New Monsters, uh, Volume 1. And then, of course, we've done Legend of the Time and Night of the Doctor, which are also uh, part of the Time War. <clears throat> I suppose we better decide if we're uh, doing those other stories then or not. Yeah, we'll figure that out. We'll figure that <laughs> off, off Mike. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Everything in that block, we've already reviewed. So it makes right. sense to maybe just go ahead and do that entire box set. And if I remember correctly, there's not quite enough there in Day of the Vast Narada to give us a full podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> we'll it's a good story, but it's one part. We just talked about four parts. I mean, we're to be fair, we're ready for Classic Doctor's New Monsters Volume 2, so we might as well just do it here. Yeah. All right. Well, if you uh, get any, uh, well, of course, you can check uh, travelingthevortex.com, uh, hopefully for all the updates that you need on that. And, of course, if you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that. By clicking on the Patreon link on our website and consider supporting us. And when you become a patron of this podcast, you unlock more audios and specials by us. And if you could just give us uh, just $1 a month would help us tremendously in keeping the lights on here at Traveling Vortex. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to the podcast. And make sure you're joining any conversations on our listeners forum on Facebook. Anything else we need to do wrap up before we close this show? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. And I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who podcast network.